1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by YatGadget. For all your fine quality kayak fishing needs, go to YatCadget.com. Pelican Cases, Coolers, and lighting. go to Pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company, for all your hard soft plastic bait needs, go to the 153 angles.com Now let's talk about some awesome products. Yo. yo what's up
3: what's going on y'all hi welcome back to the final cast it's thursday
2: hi yeah, up, buddy. Boy. yeah buddy yeah <laughs> buddy taking brian's line yeah buddy yeah, yeah buddy <laughs> Actually, he hasn't said that in a while i know he hasn't
3: but you ever notice that brian talks with his hands you ever when we were doing those tournament
2: yeah. stuff, he yeah. was like talking and he's like the whole time with his hands, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like yeah, uh, he I, I bet he hates that we all like pick on him every time something something stupid every time we start a podcast. Why well, pick you guys on are making it. me
4: want to sit on my hands because I do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no. Like it's it's the
3: same with Brian is the same thing. It's we just give give him a hard time because he's the OG. So well, all right. This week we have Melissa Keg. Melissa is hails from the Cincinnati area. I'm not exactly sure where. Yeah. But um, she is part of newly part of the Strictly Sale team. Congratulations, by the way.
4: Thank you. Thank you.
3: And uh, Melissa also has a really cool YouTube uh, channel. I think it's Girl Gone Fishing. Yeah. Is that correct? Or is it Fish In?
4: No, it's Girl Gone Fishing, all one word. If okay. you put spaces in, you get the bikini fishing girls, and that's not me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, and also, she has spent some quality time in the new Hobie Links. Yep. So Brad and I thought it'd be a good idea to invite her on the episode to talk about her experiences so far with that.
2: And so, Melissa, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: No problem. Brad, how yes. are you doing, dude?
2: Good man, this Hobie Lynx episode has been a long time coming. I mean, we, we've been trying to reach out to people and getting it to work out, but
3: yeah, we were trying finally. to get Johnny Johnny Graves on there, but he canceled on us twice. <laughs> So we were like, uh let's ask somebody else. Well, glad to know,
4: glad to know I'm at the bottom of the list, but
2: you know No, well that that was before you even had the links.
4: Oh yeah.
2: But yeah, John
4: had it first. He got it first.
2: We
3: I mean John's John does his podcast and stuff, so we know he's crazy busy, and yeah, so it's nothing against John or whatever. We just kind of felt like we were bothering him at that point. So it's like, you know, but um Melissa, you've actually spent quite some time in it now um i know you said the other day you had fished 10 tournaments in it but i know at that time you were fishing like tournaments (laughs) almost every weekend so um but before we get into the hobie links let's hear about you um how you got into kayak fishing how long you've been doing it um and by the way you were actually probably one of the most friendly kayak anglers i've ever met (laughs) um and we haven't even really actually met um, like in person, but one of the first tournaments I did was a Cowan Lake. And I don't even remember which one it was, but I paddled across the lake and I ran across you and Bert and mm-hmm. I paddled kind of close to you and, or actually I think it was behind you, but you made it a point to wave and say hello. And it was super cool. Like, you know, um, cause you know, a lot of people when they get into the tournament scene, they start getting like real protective of their areas or whatever. And I wasn't trying to fish the area. I was just kind of passing through and I was new at it, too. And I think at that time you were fairly new at it. And um, but I just wanted to let you know, like, that was pretty cool of you. You were really, really uh-huh. friendly, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't get that out on the water in the middle of a tournament. But mm-hmm. thank you for being so kind.
4: Oh, that's cool. Now, I wish everyone had their names on their kayaks because yeah. like, you know, when I'm starting fishing, it's that guy in that kayak, you know, and right away being one of the few girls, everyone knows me and they're like, Hey, Melissa. And I'm like, Hey, you. <laughs> so.
2: I, I ran into you last year on a local pond. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I, I recognize It was, the <laughs> and I introduced
4: myself to you, and you said we'd met before, and I was all dope.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I think that was all. I, I also met you on Cowan Lake as well. I think with yeah. Bert. We're you, getting you, to the were- point
4: where you know I feel like coming from my foosball background, I feel like you should introduce yourself to new people. You mm-hmm. know, because it's really hard to come into a group. You know, um even if it's not clicky, you, you feel like it is, you know, you feel like you're the newcomer and the outsider to the group. And so I kind of take it on myself to introduce myself and try to be welcoming to everyone. But I'm getting to the point now, after a couple of years, everyone's like, we've met like eight times. And I'm, all, <laughs> oh, <no." laughs> yeah.
2: I'm bad. I'm bad with memorizing people too. Like I did that with Jim Klein. He was like, Hey, I was like, Hey, I, I don't know. He's and like, very- I'm Jim. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs>
4: And during COVID, it was that guy in the kayak with the beard. Like, it, everyone was that guy in the kayak with the beard. And now, like, yeah. everyone's shaving off their beards. So I'm like, I don't know you. They're like, we've met a bunch of times. I'm like, sorry.
2: <laughs> That's funny.
3: <laughs> but, um, and it's hard to know Brad because he changes kayaks. Like, he changes underwear. So, right? I,
2: I do that on purpose, man. Well,
3: I like this you, year, I like you this year You've been solid. You stayed in the same one so far this year, yeah. right?
4: But yeah. it's the paddle, right? I recognized the paddle after you said we knew each other.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bending branches paddle is hard to miss.
4: Right, especially that
2: one. Yeah, that one's pretty bright. So,
3: um, so Melissa, tell us about yourself. How'd you get into kayak fishing? How long you been at it? What do you enjoy about it? What's your favorite <laughs> kayak? Whatever you want to share. <laughs>
4: Well, um, I'm nothing really that interesting. I only started fishing a little over 10 years ago, learned to fish really late in life, didn't fish as a kid, had no idea. But I did paddle as a kid. Um, I played on the professional foosball tour for 14 years, followed the tour all around the US, uh, actually won uh, women's doubles at the US Open, which put me on the World Cup team. So I got to go to France and play. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of cool but I got in a car wreck where someone T-boned my car running the red light and I couldn't play for about a year cause my neck was all screwed up. So, Um, the guy I was dating at the time lived in Northern California and said, well, do you just want to come out on my boat? And I'm all, "Yeah, not really. (laughs) But finally I'm like, yeah, I'll go out on your boat. Went out like two times, just watched him try to fish and went home and bought Kevin Van Dam's book on how to fish and said, I can do this better. (laughs) So that was the start of my obsession. I actually learned to fish on Clear Lake and Lake Berryessa and the California Delta. So, I mean, amazing. I thought six pound bass were just what we did, you know, but, um, Not,
2: not here in Ohio. (laughs)
4: <laughs> That's what I learned when uh, I decided that was uh, the end of that for me, and I came back to Ohio. And you know, I was kind of like, "Well, what do I do now?" I'm I'm kind of hooked on this bass thing, and uh, so I started looking for kayaks, and um, you know, found found strictly sail. Uh, started Facebook stalking the kayak groups. Too chicken to join from like 2016, 2017. Um, I kind of just watched from a distance. You know, really too afraid to. Make that step and do it. But 2018, I finally entered a Buckeye kayak fishing. Um, I think I entered the Buckeye Blitz for the first time, and I had been floating the Whitewater River. I would use a Whitewater canoe rental, and they would shuttle me on that part of the Whitewater River. Really nice guys, a beautiful river, about like three inches deep and totally non-threatening. <laughs> so yeah. I entered this Buckeye Blitz, and they say, "Yeah, you just put the fish on this measuring board and take its picture." I seriously thought I was being punked. Like <laughs> these little guys are not going to stay on this board. So that was my first try and then uh, i did the bluegrass kayak anglers um, that aj McWhorter used to run down in kentucky after looking on facebook for a couple years i decided this is the best run group ever and i fished one tournament and then hobie hired him away and there was no more group <laughs> so but the funny story about that tournament is i, I was terrified of lakes I, i'm scared of like this lake monster that's going to come and eat me in my kayak and uh, i backed my kayak up onto a point so that no one could come at me from behind you you know, so I was kind of safe. And then I cast out and I caught a 20 and a half inch bass and tied for big bass at the tournament. I'm all, man, this fishing stuff is easy. but <laughs> It was never the same after that.
2: <laughs> that's awesome.
4: So that's pretty much how I got started. And after that, I met Bert at that tournament and, uh, um, he kind of buddied up with me and, and was real nice to me and uh, started fishing with me and getting me into the Buckeye kayak. He dragged me into the, the camping crew with like Skidmore and Hannigan and those guys and Weicker. And that's just absolutely amazing. And I've been totally addicted and all in ever since. <laughs>
2: That's a good group to be hanging out with too, man. They don't tell me
4: anything. Really? (laughs) Not that I'd ask. No, I'm kind (laughs) of stubborn. Like I'm going to figure it out on my own. I don't need your help. But they they don't volunteer. I don't ask. I should start asking.
3: (laughs) Heck yeah. I think you've been figuring out like the past past year. I think it was like about, I don't know, maybe in the summertime I kind of saw – where you were making that turn and you started putting some good fish up on the board on a consistent basis. And that, that just kind of is, you know, that, that just goes to show like that, the most important thing is just time on the water. Like you can Mm -hmm. have people tell you all kinds of stuff, but really it's, it's the experience that, you know, the more time that you spend, the better you're going to be as an angler overall, especially in the tournament scene. And right. I mean, you're not sticking to like one lake. You're going all over the place, you know, in a tri-state kind of area. And, you know, you're going to stumble across those patterns that are, you know, you'll start figuring it out. You know, because I remember when I first saw you out there, you were in the, the little sit inside and you had like one or two rods and that was it. Yeah. You know? And I knew Bert was nearby because I could smell a cigar. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> But, you know, that was the best way to learn, because yeah. like I said, I came from foosball and I I kind of like I don't say I retired from foosball. It's a hiatus. You never leave foosball. You always go back to it. But I I quit as a pro, you know, and I was paying the highest entry fees and I had the most pressure because the new people want to beat you. You have the target on the back. I wasn't the best by any means, but, you know, I was up there and in fishing i got to go in as a total brand new beginner i had a dinky little paddle kayak i had no electronics i had you know not good stuff and i had no pressure you know no expectations i was the underdog if i caught a fish everyone's like yay she caught a fish you know so while well, everyone else is out there like i have to get five 20 inch fish i'm all yeah i got a 12 inch fish i'm happy <laughs> you know so it gave me 2018 2019 Um, no pressure, you know, no expectations. I just sort of got to get my feet under me, get a little confidence. I'm really insecure when I first start doing something and then I gain confidence and I'm like, you know, get my teeth into it and I love it. But getting started on it, especially alone when you don't really have anyone teaching you, it's intimidating and it's hard, which is why I really want to try to welcome the beginners, you know, make it easier for them. But in 2020, uh, I work at Jungle Gyms in Eastgate. I work at their tasting bar and their beer and wine department. And they cut me down to five hours a week during the whole like global pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. And so the first couple of weeks, I sat at home and I ate a lot and kind of went crazy. But then I decided I was going to start entering the KBF uh, monthly online tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I literally was in my kayak 18 hours a day, six days a week. And wow. I think of it as like bass fishing boot camp you know i said i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna learn to do this i'm going to go and i'm gonna you know fish as much as i can and figure out like why i'm not catching these fish and and i started studying google earth someone said to me you know, I'm not going to tell you where I catch fish, go find your own fish. So I said, okay. And I started studying Google Earth. And I started following the rivers, you know, all over Ohio and saying, okay, you know, if a river can flood something, that something must have, you know, a variety of fish. And I just started like making a list. And I've still got this list of about 30 places. I haven't had a chance to try yet. And so I I found some places and I found some fish and I, I placed second in a KBF tournament, but I credit, COVID, you know, and that whole pandemic thing for giving me the time, like when else in your life do you have 18 hours a day, six hour, six days a week, mm-hmm. to yeah. like, you know, go out and just fish. So like you said, time on the water, That that really made a difference. It gave me confidence in, you know, certain techniques. And it gave me confidence that I was able to, you know, maybe compete with some of these people. But then someone said to me, you're never going to get anywhere if you just fish the same lakes. And I thought, well, that's true in a way, but it's also not true in a way because... I didn't have a fishing background. I was starting at zero. You know, I had to learn how to tie a Palomar knot. Um, I'm still not really good at restringing my bait casters. You know, I didn't know anything, and I, I didn't have a dad that fished or a brother that fished or a you know, mother that fished. You know, and I don't have a fishing buddy to explain this stuff to me. And so it was just a huge learning curve. But 2021, I made it my goal to start following the BKFT tour, like around the state more, trying what I. I think of as away lakes, you know, and so um, I'm working on that part of my experience now. Like, how do you break down a new lake and that kind of thing? And it's just been I mean, gosh, learning stuff is so much fun. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm 48 years old. When you get to my age, new stuff is just not always there, you know, and so to, to have new stuff and to get to experience this, I mean, I'm just I'm having so much fun, loving the people I meet, loving the things I get to do. It's just been great.
3: That's awesome, yeah. yeah Google Earth is awesome too, by the way. Because now I don't know, it doesn't. I don't think it works as well like in Ohio lakes as it does like like some Tennessee lakes that you can see. But what's really cool if you do uh, Google Earth Pro, um, you can do like back history shots. Nope. You know, like satellite shots, and you can see where they draw down lakes. Mm-hmm. and like if you're into like fishing like tennessee um you can mark like a boulder that's there but it's underwater at like normal pool right and you can actually there's oh, sorry there's ways to actually transfer that information those waypoints to your fish finders and all kinds of cool stuff like that it's just kind of weird though in ohio i don't know if we draw down our lakes enough to kind of do Not that really yeah <clears throat> i haven't really messed around with it with Ohio stuff but a lot of times if I know we're going to Dale Hollow or whatever yeah I'll try to look up some stuff or some of those um Tennessee lakes like that because it works real well just because they do such crazy drawdowns what is it sometimes like 15 feet 20 feet yeah when
2: we were there in September it was down 10 or 11 feet yeah and they keep going, too. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, is, no. it,
4: is that something that would work for Kentucky Lake? Because through mm-hmm. three weeks Probably. from now, Kentucky Lake is going to be my first big like national KBF Trail away tournament. And uh, it's about time to start the Google Earth study and figure out where the heck I'm going to put my kayak in on that giant lake.
3: Yeah. yeah. I haven't messed around with it a lot. Um,
4: oh, I've used it. I know how to use a, it. And everything. You know,
3: have you seen the feature where you can look back?
4: Oh, yeah. At its yeah. History?
3: So click down through it and see if you can see a drawdown on it because Kentucky Lake, I would assume is sort of like those, um, you know, those lakes where it's like impounded and then they'll draw it down. I don't know hundred percent though. Right. I've never fished Kentucky Lake, but you may be able to find cover like, you know, um, like offshore cover that you normally can't see during summer mm-hmm. pool. So, because they'll start, they'll start drawing down like those Tennessee lakes. Once it's crazy. early, so early. Like here, yeah. we don't draw them down till like November. Yeah, They do it when everybody's going back to school, which is now. They'll start right. drawing it down at the end of August. Because we went first week of September, and they'd already drawn it down ten feet. Yeah. Bradley. I mean, you
2: you could fish like the offshore grass patches, like right there in the middle in the marina. Oh yeah. It was crazy.
3: It's weird. It's so weird. Cause you're like, it, it doesn't make any sense cause their weather stays warmer longer. So,
2: yep. but they're like,
3: once everybody goes back to school, the tourism stuff dies down and it just gives them. If I remember correctly, asking the one guy that has the Marina Eastport and asking Richard, he said that there's a couple reasons. And one of the main ones that I, if I remember was it gives everybody time to work on their stuff. Mm. Um, <laughs> like on their docks and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So, but in the fact that the tourism's dying, so or dying down, but yeah. All right. Let's talk Hobie. Yes. So, Melissa, you yeah. what were you in before?
4: Uh, I had an Old Town Loon 106 angler paddle you kayak.
3: Have, you still have it?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: So, did you hop from that into the Hobie Links?
4: I did. Um, I was lucky enough to be, like you said, voted on to the Strictly Sailing Kayak Fishing Team, which I'm very thankful for. Um, You know, funny story about that, Bert told me first he said I have something to tell you um he says Brian Tacey wants to talk to you he goes but I said I had to talk to you first because I'm afraid you're gonna say something stupid when he talks to you and I'm (laughs) all what are you talking about he says they want to invite you on this on the say on the strictly sail team and sponsor you by giving you a kayak for the season and he said I'm I'm really afraid you're gonna you know your answer is gonna be something stupid and I said What have I done to deserve that? He said, see, I told you it was going to be stupid. (laughs) I really don't think that's stupid. I think it's a very legitimate question. I mean, Uh, like my whole life, I've fought against being any special treatment for being a girl, you know, and in kayak fishing, I definitely don't want to get ahead in any way for being a girl. You know, I I don't think you gain respect that way, you know, by playing off that. I want to be equal to everyone. I just want to learn to fish and catch fish. The fish don't care who I am, what I look like, anything, you know, and so at first I was very trepidatious about it. Like, I don't know. I mean, I love Strictly Sail. I bought, when I was 12 years old, um, my family bought our first windsurfer from uh, Steve Tacey, who started Strictly Mm. Sail. So I have had a lot of respect and faith in them for a long time. I bought a Hobie outfitter from them when my ex from California wanted to come here and fish. We bought it. It's a tandem outback you know, pedal kayak, mm-hmm. which is sitting in my basement. I think of it as my giant, like white whale that's stuck in my basement. I can't get it out. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I bought a couple things from them. I love them. Um, it was in my long-term plan. Once I won some tournaments to go to them and beg them to uh, love me and <laughs> let me have a free hat, you know, but it <laughs> happened a lot faster than I expected and totally threw me off. But when Sean Skidmore told me it was because they like my videos. yep, I was like, you know, I put like 30 hours into every one of those videos and they darn well better like them. So yeah, they want to give me a kayak for the season because they like my videos. Then it just means they have good taste.
2: Well, I, I got to say like co- companies like that, that they, they like the social media aspect. And I was going to say that about you. Your social media presence is, is good. I mean, yeah. your, your videos, your posts, you inter- interact with other anglers on I feel page. so
4: awkward on social media. I just, I hate it. <laughs>
2: yeah. But I mean, they
3: see you, that you you're be like Brad, Brad's like super awesome at social media and he's extremely awkward in person.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I am, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like those companies, they see your value in that. That's why.
3: Yeah. 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 You, that's what it is. Don't, don't worry about the girl thing because it is, I, you being on that team was not a surprise to me whatsoever. You've been a part of that group. I mean, you, you're, you're friends with Bert. Um, you buy a lot of stuff from strictly sale. <laughs> you, you know, you support them and you've really started knocking it out of the park with the YouTube thing. And, and, and then not only that, but you're going around and you're traveling and you're doing all the tournaments mm-hmm. and it just makes sense. It, I mean, if you were Mark Keg, you'd be on the team. You know? Like it doesn't—it's not a big deal. Like it—it it wasn't about you know them needing a female angler. In my opinion, you know. Now I don't—I can't speak for what Brian and them were looking for, but you fit the profile of what the paddle shops are looking for. You have a strong social media. You get out um you're doing the videos you know i remember you and i talked a little bit um on messenger about you know like recording and that sort of thing and i think Mm -hmm. i gave you some um like a suggestion in regards to like the camera and like you know that sort of thing and it's um you're doing awesome with it you know and it'll only get better like you know and just keep on putting forth the effort with it and those doors will keep opening you know, for you. So there's a lot of people that we see who are like, Oh, well, why don't I get it on a paddle shop? I should be on, you know, I should be sponsored or whatever, but they have a piss poor social media, (laughs) you know, like, it's like, yeah, you can, you could get on there and just say, Hey, you know, this rod's great, blah, blah, blah. And tag, you know, Mm St. Croix in it or whatever. But if you're taking crap photos and you know what I mean? And it looks bad. It's, not inviting for that company to support you you right. know, and <clears throat> that was one of my big things always is like I'm, when i try to get out there if i'm going to do it take quality pictures you know mm-hmm. like that sort of thing brad and i we've fished together when i get out there i usually try to shoot a couple good photos of brad you know and that sort of thing i've always been wanting to get a good camera but kind of splurged on GoPros last year <laughs> instead. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should have bought maybe half the GoPros that I did. <laughs>
1: and do you again. notice like
4: everyone's starting to have that GoPro Max with the 360? Yeah, and People are messaging me like, why don't you have the GoPro 360? But I did a, a joint video with my buddy Adrian Warfield And uh, he, he was like, he just got the max. And so I took the footage from his camera and the footage from my camera and tried to put them together. We did this stupid little challenge video where I let him pick the lake and pick the lures. And he picked his favorite lake with this one spot where jig always caught a fish. And okay, I learned my lesson (laughs) next time. Neutral lake, neutral lures. But trying to integrate his 360 footage into, I use the Adobe Premiere elements to do my editing. It was awful. Like it's hard. You had to you had to like you know freeze the the three sixty footage and in, in the view you wanted to get it in. I mean, it took me like a week just to get the footage in the timeline, and I was like, I'm never going to do that Max again. And now everyone has the Max, and people are messaging me like, Why don't you have the Max? <laughs> I'm not. I'm
3: not a, f- I wasn't a fan of that because I saw how hard it was to edit <clears throat> in other like you said other camera angles and stuff, and it's a giant pain. Right. And I think when it first even came out, like it had its own almost mm-hmm. separate like software thing that you had to d- use. Yeah. And I was like, no, nope, I'll just get, you know, multiple angles. And I think when I bought my GoPros, I found a, a really good deal on them. So <clears throat> I was like, I think I bought the eights when they came out. There was like a hundred bucks off. So instead yeah. of being 299 I got them for 199 <laughs> But Yeah, if you
4: if you get them after the new model comes out, you can get the last year's model like really well, like good price. Yeah.
3: yeah. Hmm. But to try that, yeah, it's (laughs) um, it's it's one of those things. Brad
4: needs to film his river trips. We need to (laughs) (laughs) we need to see more about these (laughs) smallmouth.
2: That's the one reason why I don't do it.
4: Yeah. Right. I'm I'm currently trying to edit my Great Miami River video and it, you know it it's it's not as uh as uh riveting when your fish are this, this, wait, this, this long, <laughs> I caught a lot of fish. If you wanna know, the the this year's population of smallmouth in the Great Miami River is just enormous because they're right. We <laughs> caught like 50 this big. Those no. little guys are gonna grow up just for you, Brad. <laughs>
2: I hope so, but I I also I catch a lot of those too. I mean, yeah. There's days where I'll catch twenty of those. You know,
4: right? Do you, like, do you let uh, them run out there and hope that something else comes in?
2: Yeah.
4: I mean, I thought about it. I, I wouldn't like. I would never do that. But I was like, but you know, if. Yeah. I, don't really
3: I mean, I've caught I've caught little ones and had big ones beating up on little one, not Aww. necessarily eating it, but trying to steal the bait out of its mouth. And mm-hmm. I mean, I had to happen at. St. Clair, where I saw I caught a 17 and saw one bigger literally bum rush it and just headbutt it, <laughs> knock the lure loose. I was so mad, dude. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> didn't
0: even hilarious. eat the bait.
3: You know what I mean? I was expecting the 19. Uh, like it was probably 19 or 20-inch smallmouth. This dark shadow comes up, just headbutts the 17, and <laughs> the bait pops loose, and I can see it dropping down. I'm like, oh, he's going to hit it. Nope, just let it hit
2: Oh man, that sucks. All
3: that dude's like just jealous, man. <laughs> that oh, sucks. Jealousy. <laughs> but um, so the Hobie Links, you got into the Hobie Links. You fished ten tournaments, I think is what you said. Probably maybe what eleven or twelve now.
4: Yeah, it's been like eight or nine, like nine in person, and I think four online so far. So you've
3: done, you've done. All lakes or lake and river?
4: Um, have I taken it on the river? I took it on the river for the Cincinnati kayak fishing rivers tournament two weeks ago because I was fishing a deeper part of the great Miami. But the, I mean, the Lynx has been totally amazing in every aspect. Um, my, my problem with Brian at first was they didn't have any kayaks that I could car top. You know, Mm -hmm. like I wanted a pedal kayak. I've been looking for a pedal kayak for years. Kind of hope to trade my tandem outfitter for something else. But still, those pedal kayaks are over 100 pounds. I can't lift that up on top of my car. I mean, I'm a tough girl, but, you know, I can't bench press that stuff. Mm -hmm. So Brian said, you know, I've been wanting to do this for you, but I don't have any kayaks that you can, you know, you can lift. So when they got into Lynx, I'm like, that thing looks weird. <laughs> you know, I don't know about that thing, but he's like just try it and of course once I tried it I loved it. But what we're finding is the the Lynx is maybe not the best shallow river boat. Um so uh he actually let me use the iTrek 9 for the the river tournament a couple days ago because I knew I was going to be dragging on a shallow river and they have the inflatable mm-hmm. track ultralight so I use that for the shallow river but like everything else that links is the absolute perfect boat for me and they're going to have to pry it out of my hands if they ever want it back. <laughs> 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 Just say it, right. if you're listening.
2: <laughs> I I got the uh, specs pulled up on this because you mentioned them and uh yep forty five pounds. Yep. Shush. Wow. I didn't know. That's without the seat, right? Yeah. Fully fully rigged is only 61. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really light for a kayak. I mean, there's not many kayaks in that range.
4: It is. And of course, you know, now I have the side a trails and I have a custom made Brian Tacey special front a trail that everyone's jealous about in the the Lynx owners group. (laughs) So, but you know, that adds weight to it. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's amazing. My old town was 50 is, is 54 pounds. Mm -hmm. So this is even better than that. And, and car topping that Lynx at the end of a tournament is a dream. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to um, say that, like, you know, it's a good boat for a girl, you know, because, again, I hate bringing up the girl thing. But seriously, it is a fantastic boat for anyone who is not strong enough to lift something big and heavy up on their car. Girl, guy, whatever. Mine's
3: 90 pounds and I can.
0: Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
3: Lift more than that, but it's not safe to do it. Um, I blew my back out with my coos hd which is like 80 something pounds because i bumped a stroller and it started to twist when i was carrying it like Ooh. sideways oh no. and it almost hit my ex's car so i twisted it back the other direction and twisted <laughs> my back out because i was trying to carry that thing right and i was using the side handles which is usually no big deal but um i accidentally hooked one of the strollers
4: oh no but
3: um <laughs> it's um like it the specs on it are impressive. It's thirty six inches wide, which means it's going to be super stable. Mm-hmm. It uh, is control. so
4: stable. Yeah. I have tried like. I've been trying to put it in the gnarliest, waviest, windiest conditions I can do like for videos to test it and then stand up. So oh, nice. like I've been, I've been progressively more, like more, have more faith in it. And so like a giant, like wake boat will go by, you know, I just fished like three Erie Harbor tournaments in a row up on East Harbor and these huge wake boats would go by the boats with the like, boat wakes. And I'd be like, Oh, put my nose in it, stand up, get the camera <laughs> running, you know, and it's just nothing. Like at the end of the day, people would be like, Wow, it got a little sketchy out there, Mom. It did. I didn't notice yeah. because that thing is solid. Um, it's built kind of like a paddle board, mm-hmm. and I think I have the advantage of having windsurfed when I was younger. Because if I get on that and take my shoes off, <laughs> I just feel like you know I'm on my windsurf board, and you know it balances great. And at first, I was putting one foot on either side of the center line, you know, and standing straight. Now I'll stand mm-hmm. sideways. I can cast in any direction. Um, I'm not Christine Fisher. I'm not going to stand on the seat, you know, because <laughs> I'm probably a decade older than she is, and that's not going to happen. But I stood on the nose. I climbed over the seat and stood on the back just to show people it is so stable. It's so, the seat is so comfortable. I mean, it's amazing. Of course, you know, I throw my kayak cushion on there too, because why not have a little more comfort? But I think the biggest complaint people are going to have with it is winter fishing. I don't know how that's going to go because when you're in super wavy, the waves do break over the, Mm -hmm. you know, the deck. So I actually had to break down and buy, like not that it's a bad thing, but I had to buy the the tin tags, you know, the blue fox tin tags because I had the the old flip it IDs like before mm-hmm. catch bought flip it. And the, the little Ziploc bags that hold your, you know, paper ID, they're, they're waterproof. But when the waves came over the deck of the links, um, the water would stand in the catchboard. And oh, yeah. uh, I didn't realize that my tourney tags were like completely disintegrating. So like they just completely dissolved like sitting in the water so I had to break down a couple weeks ago and get like the you know the upgraded tin tags for that mm-hmm. but yeah. other than that like I, I don't know how it's going to be when it's cold out I think I'm going to need to buy those like neoprene socks or something because yeah. I'm still taking that thing out I love it
2: uh you, you mentioned standing on the nose and the back and I think that's what impressed me the most when I saw I think you posted it in a video right
4: um, at Nemecilla, I took it down to the ramp and let some of the other guys take it out, you know, and try it. And, and yeah, and Wiker was like, I bet you can't stand on the nose. I'm like, I'll stand on the nose. I am like i will stand on the nose i am in two inches of water. Like, what's the worst that could happen?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Probably I'd get I mean, my head
4: on the ramp, but.
2: <laughs> standing on the nose of that thing. Like if you did that on a kayak, you, you're seeing the kayak sit in the water like this. You stand yeah. on the nose of that lynx, It was still flat on the surface. And I, I was impressed. I was like, that's pretty cool.
4: Right. Yeah. It's, it's really, really stable. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I've, I've sat on the side with my legs over, you know, just chilling Mm -hmm. and fishing and, I mean, it, I, I can't I still can't believe how lucky I am that that I get to fish out of that. It's I, I don't have a very good job. And, I, you know, I I spend most of my money doing fun stuff. <laughs> so I don't I don't think I would have been able to afford, you know, a hobie like this and all the accessories. And and for mm-hmm. Strictly Sailing Kayak to give me this opportunity, it just still seems sometimes like it isn't real. And, and then I'm going to wake up and I'm back in my little paddle kayak, which I love Old Town. And I mm-hmm. love my paddle kayak. I, I've been a, a faithful believer in paddle paddling old towns since I was really young with their canoes and everything they track well they're comfortable they're stable but man that links I mean it's just it's like they made it for me it's like everything mm-hmm. I ever wanted in a boat there it is
2: that's cool so
3: how much did you like being able to have the pedal drive and how much easier oh, did man. it make for you to start fishing like hands-free like that
4: well, you had mentioned that you you saw an uptick in my tournament results. So I got the links in June and I was looking at my tournament tournament results. Now, I did get my first ever in-person limit in May at East Harbor in my paddle kayak, which I'm really proud of that. I achieved that, you know, with my paddle kayak without electronics. You know, I, I finally caught five fish in an in-person tournament. I, I'd done it in online before. But, you know, and so then right after that in June, I got the links and. The difference it makes is just unbelievable. Um, It makes me almost feel guilty because with my YouTube channel, I feel like my... Fan base, I guess, is kind of like the newer people or the people who want to get into kayak fishing and are intimidated by it. I get a lot of messages from people who say, I'd really like to do a tournament, but I have a paddle kayak. I don't have a fish finder. You know, I don't have a lot of money. I have one rod. And they're like, but then I saw you doing it, you know. Yeah. So I feel like I'm cheating on those people, you know. <laughs> I, I don't want to leave them behind. I want to find a way to still be accessible and, and show people that anyone can do this, you know, like, uh, but, but I can't go back because <laughs> I love those pedals, you know? <laughs> just, you know, and people have told me before, oh, you're not going to like Hobie because you have to pull this little lever to go forward and backward. No, no it doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I've been in, I've been in a couple of Hobies and people, I've, I've had people say the same thing to me. That lever system did not bother me whatsoever.
4: It does not matter. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, yeah it's nice. It's amazing. Just the the amount of casts you can make compared to a paddle kayak, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, on a windless day, I'm going to say you make 30% more casts, Mm -hmm. you know, because on a windless day, you can anchor you can you can just float around in your paddle kayak, but you get a little bit of wind and I'm talking like four or five mile per hour winds. Mm -hmm. It is cast Put the rod down paddle cast put the rod down paddle you know mm-hmm. then you get up into the seven to nine mile per hour winds and it's start to pick the rod up put the rod down and paddle start to pick the rod up put the rod down and paddle it's non-stop and you know it's 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 really frustrating and yep. i try so hard to keep a positive attitude but there were a couple of tournaments where i was just ready to start cussing <laughs> you
3: know I feel your pain then you get
4: those days like East Harbor. I fished a day where we had 18 mile per hour sustained winds with gusts up to like 24. And it was like, you know, these waves were breaking over the boat. And I just was doing this little leisurely pedal and staying in place and catching fish because the fish wanted uh, worms sitting on the ground, not moving. And the dude I was fishing with goes, oh, this is hard. Nice look over and He's turned his torpedo on. how are you lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even a hard Pedal. It was just like a little, you know, leisurely. Yeah. People pay a lot of money to go to gyms and do that stuff, man. And we're out there having fun, catching fish, getting a little exercise. Oh, man. <laughs> it is just, I just, I still can't believe how lucky I am to, to get out there on that links and, and be doing this. Oh, it's so much fun.
3: Yeah. it It's definitely um, one of those things. W- my favorite thing about being a, in a pedal drive is fishing windy days. Windy days on the lakes, man. Um, I remember going up north and finally being like, all right, here we are. This lake I really like, but I'm always frustrated because it's usually really windy. And like you said, if it's just five miles per hour, it's even worse. (laughs) And when we're on this lake, five miles an hour feels like 15. Yeah. And we, um, I had the, jackson big rig fd out there and i just aimed into the wind and i would just pedal two or three times pedal two or three times wait a few seconds pedal two or three times It's basically like being anchored yeah. you know, i was moving around a little bit which i didn't mind because it kept me from casting in the same exact spot over and over again so where yeah. i was throwing i was kind of covering you know the spot itself by drifting a little bit left or right but it's um it's one of those things like you if you do get into the tournament game and or just lake fishing in general. Like I right, I haven't fished a lake yet this year because I don't have a pedal drive anymore. And yeah. like, it's like, oh, like you know, I even it's just I, I hated it, despised it last year when I did Cowan Lake and it was super windy one day. And I'm like, this is awful. Like I <laughs> yeah. cannot.
4: Yeah, I think I was in that pedal and paddling in that tournament too. There was a terrible one.
3: Yeah, and I'm like, this is just this is obnoxious. I didn't have fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, and
4: Bert's all messaging me like, just slow down and finesse fish, and I'm all, shut up.
3: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) finesse fish here. I'm moving ten miles an hour. Yeah,
4: it's
3: nothing finessey. All I should do is troll. Right? at this point he's like you yeah. gotta throw
4: it up to shore and let it sit i'm all stop talking to me <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i i'm not a big fan of paddling in the wind either especially well especially in a fide, because that's not a very good <laughs> kayak in the wind yeah, yeah
4: but you know man. i don't want to discourage people with pe- with paddle kayaks to not try well, out you know, for yeah. the try out these tournaments, because we've all done it. You know, we've yeah. started there. You mm-hmm. find a cove, um, you hide from the wind or, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're lucky and the wind directions, right. You set up a drift, you yeah. know, if you can paddle into the wind and drift with the wind along a shoreline or something, you can do it. You can fish these kayak, these kayak tournaments with like no equipment, you know, you don't need mm-hmm. it. Like, Just get out and try it. Take my mindset of there's no expectations on you. You know, like Cincinnati kayak fishing, it's a three fish limit, eight inch minimum. Mm -hmm. And they're very inexpensive. They're like $25 or something. Um, Buckeye kayaks only like 36, but you know, they have a five fish limit, 12 inch minimum, but Mm -hmm. you know, these are, these are friendly tournaments. Um, everyone's really nice. They'll help you out. Um, just get out there, grab a buddy if you want, do it alone. If you want, it doesn't matter, you know, get out and try it, um, enter the online, you know, the KBF online was, was my training grounds because I was afraid of people pointing and laughing at me, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I did it alone, but I don't want, to talk about, you know, these cool kayaks, these higher end kayaks that are going to cost you like three grand, you know, and price out so many people who just want to, you know, fish and try this out. So yeah. give and fish contact any one of us if you want you know some tips on on how to do it in a paddle kayak how to do it inexpensively you know reach out to anyone you see on social media reach out to the groups the Cincinnati kayak fishing the Buckeye kayak fishing groups I mean everyone's nice someone on there will will offer you advice and help you out and you know get you out there
2: yeah and Drew Gregory's a great example of that man I mean he's still in a paddle kayak and he's still cash and checks
4: <laughs> yeah
3: but well, he's awesome at fishing skinny water like where everybody else is out like fishing offshore yeah Drew but- will get still be paddling up creeks to these you know major lakes that they fish on in the Hobie BOS he's just a machine with it man he he knows where to go to find the good fish even mm-hmm. if it's you know Ten yards. Yeah, even on the
2: Susquehanna, like everybody else is using a Hobie, you know, and he's paddling a kayak in a flooded Susquehanna River. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. Um, So,
3: Melissa, what do you think is your biggest gripe with the Hobie Link so far? If you had to choose something that you didn't (laughs) like about it,
0: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal
4: Gosh, everything, everything's perfect about it, except for, um, the hull strength, you know, we're, we're finding out as time goes on that the, it was built with a construction very similar to like a stand up paddleboard. And it's not necessarily meant to take the beating on like a shallow river. Um, I, I like, I, I don't want to say anything bad about it, because I love it. You know, yes. I mean, it's it's such a good boat. It's so great. I wish that they had taken the 45 pounds and made it 50 pounds and put a hull guard on it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, now I've heard there is a second generation coming out. Um, and I hope that they have seen, you know, what's been going on um, with you know, people are buying this as a river boat, And mm-hmm. it's great in current. It's great in the in the deeper rivers. But it's not going to be great if you want to drag it over a bunch of shallow river rocks. Mm. Um, That hull, it's got a super thin skin and then fiberglass reinforcement and then a foam core. And that's amazing for the lightweight and it's amazing for the performance and the stability and the agility and the, the, you know, the turning and all that stuff. It's, it's perfect for every application I have put it through, except for running into something like something sharp. (laughs) It does not want to run into something sharp. So I guess that would be my complaint is, is there a way to put a a hull guard on it or um, some sort of reinforcement? You know, I will, I'll give up the 45 pounds, take it up to 50, take it up to 55. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Just make it so that I can accidentally run into a tree or run into a rock and know that, that I'm okay. I'm not really delicate with my stuff. Um, I'm a little hard on my stuff. So I want a boat that like, first time I put in the great Miami river, yeah i just heard about like ick ick in that water you know and so i didn't really want to like stand in the water so Mm -hmm. i put in really close to the water and kind of scooted you know and it's it's just not you know i want a boat that i can do that with and Mm -hmm. i want the links that i can do that with so Mm -hmm. that's my request to hobie is put something on that hull i don't care if it takes five or ten pounds that's the only thing that makes it not the absolute perfect boat ever invented (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'm sure they will add something like that. I mean, they, they have to, because I, I think, I kind of think they were marketing it as a river boat, right?
4: I've never mm-hmm. seen it marketed as a riverboat. Um, people haven't? just instantly started snapping it up for that okay. because it's so lightweight. Um, they are marketing the the iTrek 9, ultralight inflatable, mm-hmm. and the iTrek 11 that will be coming out in 2022 as river riverboats um, and, um, you know, remote lake kind of boats. You know, and those are perfect because from what I understand, those are made out of the same kind of material as like a whitewater rafting inflatable mm-hmm. thing. So I, I guess we're supposed to have total faith that they're not going to pop. You know, And yeah. I got to say, I, the one I took out yesterday did great. You know, I dragged that over a lot of stuff and, and kind of beat it about on the rocks and, and, and it did great. I had the I-9. Um, I would want the I-11, I think. Right, because you know, that's nine foot, nine foot five versus eleven foot something. But I mean, that thing is only twenty pounds hallways. weight, and that's, it deflates yeah, nice. into, it deflates into a backpack. You can check it on an airplane. So wow. they're, they're talking about you take that boat and you go to the remote glacial lake, you know that has never seen a kayak. That you know you go to places that have never seen a lure, and like, oh my gosh, that would be cool, but like you know we had to we had to pick up on the great miami i hadn't first of all i had no idea the great miami had shallow parts i thought it was this big yeah. scary river so <laughs> yeah. we fished from uh, to, uh, tip city to taylorsville dam And the river was really low, so a lot of it was dragging. And we came to one part that the river was actually blocked by a big tree. So Brad's like, oh, yeah, I caught a 19-inch largemouth or smallmouth off that tree, right? (laughs) So, no, we had to actually go the other way and pick up the kayaks and and kind of portage them. And if I hadn't brought so much stuff with me, that would have been really easy with this uh, little 20-pound boat.
3: Yeah. So um, the Hobie Links, though, yeah. but I don't know if you guys had seen it, but Chad Hoover did a video about it, and um, that boat is, I think it's thermoformed. It's not, it's not done like in um, the traditional, not traditional, but it's when,
4: not roto molded like yeah, a kayak. Yeah, it's not roto
3: molded. So it's not got the thickness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna have the weak like weak points just like a pelican or whatever you know what i mean it's
4: is, gonna, is Brad busy pulling up the diagram of what it's made out of I'm looking it's, it's <laughs> oh, well. on that same page as the text.
3: they're kind of they're adding so they're doing it a little bit differently though so, so what it what is is that it's a it's good good idea because with uh, the plastic shortage making boats like this is a lot easier than rotom mold. Right. so mm-hmm. it's um it's a good move by Hobie because they're going to be able to fill a gap that a lot of other companies aren't really doing, unless it's kind of the cheaper, cheaper kayaks, you know, like the right. ones, that sort of thing. But I, I mean, knowing Hobie, you you'll see improvements within it. I mean, oh yeah, first, first generation, and it's like that with all the companies, you know. Yep. it'll get better as they kind of re-engineer whatever they need to the good thing is though is the way there those boats are being made it is an easier way of actually fixing it as opposed to if we never wrote a molded boat they have to redo the whole mold again or not the whole thing but and it costs a ton of money to do that like mm-hmm. you know they have to make adjustments and you know sometimes even possibly rebuild a whole new mold Right. This way they do not have to do that. So hopefully we will see the improvements that Melissa is requesting Hobie.
4: <laughs> I mean, so. I, I have a lot of faith in Hobie. I believe that the their engineering department is on the forefront of, you know, pioneering new things. Mm-hmm. You know, someone has to be out there pushing the envelope. You know, someone has to be out there trying the new stuff. And sometimes the new stuff doesn't work on the first generation.
0: Yeah.
4: Um The one thing I don't quite understand is why didn't they give a ton of people these boats? You know, they have all these sponsored people. Uh, Why didn't they give Christine Fisher one of these and say, you know, take it for a month and go through all your everything you could possibly put it through and then find out what was wrong with it before releasing it to the public and letting us find out, you know, but again, I, I think that they're amazing with their engineering, always pushing the envelope, always trying to improve, uh, you know, for the sport. And I believe that the second generation will be absolutely perfect and amazing. So but Excellent. if Hobie wants to give me a demo uh, kayak of any sort, I'd be happy to test it out for you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. That's
3: pretty cool. Uh, graphic brand.
2: Yeah, it is ther- thermoform like you mentioned.
4: Right. Yeah. So so you can see, you know, it uh it has the foam core mm-hmm. and then a little bit of fiberglass just to strengthen it and then it's a really really thin skin. So, I mean, it's totally understandable why when it impacts a rock, it isn't happy, <laughs> you yeah. know.
3: Especially around here because most of the time when you're hitting a rock and it's tearing a hole in your kayak, you are not hitting a natural rock. You are usually hitting concrete. Yep. That us douchebag human beings have decided to throw <laughs> in the water, and and or something crazy like rebar or whatever. Today, um, I, today I stopped by the river and looked down, and I'm like, look at that rebar. There was like, yeah. I mean, some insane pieces. It, and it, it's not, and I'm just joking around um, because actually. That man-made concrete that we keep dumping is actually helping. So, yeah, um, And it's creating really good smallmouth habitats. The mm-hmm. biggest smallmouth I ever caught was with Brad on the river.
4: There's a surprise.
3: And it was in <laughs> the spring, and it was by a big, giant, like, 90-degree angle rock sticking up out of the water that was, like, a lot bigger than what you can – Normally see in the springtime, mm-hmm. was only like a two foot section of it sticking out. But the thing was like basically half of a wall that's underneath the water, and yeah. I caught it right next to it. And um, so that's the good thing is it creates habitat, it creates current breaks, it holds yeah. down on the erosion. Because yep. I mean, if we didn't have most of that rock like that, I think our waters, waterways in Southwest Ohio would be in a lot worse shape. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I agree. Because it, I mean, in West Carrollton, Brad, it's hilarious. There's a whole side, it's just poured concrete. <laughs> They've been yeah. con- poured concrete to hold those, the bank in there from it eroding away. So
2: Those are my favorite spots to hit, especially big bends in the river with just concrete on the bank. Yep. Deep, <laughs> like 10 foot, 10, 15 foot. That's my favorite spots to fish, man. But they're
3: awesome it. for smallmouth, but they are. Holy crap! The easiest mm-hmm. place to lose oars. So yeah, you start fishing them. You're like, all right, here we go. Let's lose some hooks. Let's lose some baits because you will. You can try <laughs> not to, but you kind of have to to get down to where those fish are. So yep.
2: yeah, yeah. There, there there's a stretch in uh in Hamilton that's like that big bend on the river, with rip rap. Uh, it looks like something AK Steel just dot dumped in a ton of like. <laughs> uh, it's weird. I, I can't really explain it. There's just like metal all in the water i get snagged every time i fish it
4: and you know there's fish there oh yeah (laughs) i've
2: seen them sometimes i'm laughing i'm like "Ah,
3: you i'll stand up on certain points and you can look down you're like look at those two big smallmouth hanging out between those two giant (laughs) man-made sharp rocks and i'm like i know the instant i throw my bait down there Like it's just sweeping underneath some giant slab, you know, and it's like, you're not even going to get close
4: to the, they're looking up at you. Like, yeah, try it, buddy. Just try (laughs) it.
3: (laughs) There's this one section that every time I go to it, I will still throw a bait in there. And every time I lose a bait there, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I mean, it's gotta be so many lures down there. And I'm like, (laughs) it's just so bad. There's, there's some parts like next to dams I always laugh about where you know there's been a log in there forever, yep. and you can hook into it, and you can tell it's fishing line, and like 900 lures are stuck to it too, like because you'll watch everybody and a brother fish on those dams, and you're just yeah. laughing because everybody's getting stuck in the same exact spot. <laughs>
2: like, yep.
3: There's a guy that I met in on the Miamisburg Dam who every when was it. I think he said I don't, it might have been the summer when the water starts to get real low, like it is right now. And he goes, Texas kayak up. He's like, it's the only time of year you can really kind of get up next to that dam safely, even though you really still shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But he's like, There's this log or rock or something. It's a log, I think. He goes, and I get my jerkbait stuck on it all the time. And he goes, and I go fish my jerk baits back off, and then I get a bunch of other tackles, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny he does it every year he goes at least once or twice a year i go up to that log and i pull my baits back off
2: heck yeah that's smart right. so
4: there's a crankbait and a tree uh up by tip city i just <laughs> sacrificed it because that tree had a lot of spiders on it
2: oh yeah i'm that's not a big no. it
4: <laughs> that's a big no 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 <laughs>
2: Brad, do you remember
3: when your brother got his whopper plopper stuck up in the tree that one time? I one still day.
2: don't understand that. That was like 30 feet high. I'm like, how did you do that?
4: It happens. You get excited about a cast. You know, you're like, oh man, I got to get that fish. And then bam, up in the tree. But, but it was yeah.
2: like, straight up though. Like, <laughs> he was so high. He's, he, he's not a river guy. So every time he he's like, man, every time I go fishing with you on the river, something stupid happens. I'm not going anymore. <laughs> okay. he, he hates the river. I'm like, whatever, dude. <laughs>
4: And you're probably catching like 19, 20 inch smallmouth to make things better, right?
2: <laughs> um, not that day. It was a pretty bad day.
4: You know, I I started off my trip with a Tokyo rig tied on. Uh, I had bought one like a couple months ago, like before you started talking about them. And I tried it once, but I tried it somewhere with a really mucky bottom and I hated it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, screw this, Lauren. I just kind of threw it in the corner. And then you started posting all these pictures and I'm like, gosh, I guess I should use it. So I tied (laughs) it on and then about 15 minutes in the trip, cut it off and didn't even throw it. I'm like, you know what I should have on is a crankbait. Yeah.
2: Yeah. always
4: comes down to a crankbait for me, though.
3: <laughs> it's a super weird bait that Brad's throwing in the way he's doing it because it's not even intended for that.
2: I know, dude. It is
3: like a punching rig for, like, mats because it, what it's supposed to do is, like, punch through with that weight but just let it be – once it punches through with a mat, mm-hmm. it's going to let that bait sit up off the bottom a little bit. Right. And then it's supposed to come back up and it lays back down again together and come back out. It is super hard to throw those things in that specific way, what it's intended, what it was actually intended for out of a kayak. Because usually when you're punching mats and you're on a bass boat, you're way up higher. Mm-hmm. So the angle that you're going down is better. When you're in a kayak, you're still, your line is still kind of going in at a, at ah, a You can do it on a
4: Hobie Links.
3: At a 45 <laughs> to the mats. And I hated it. I hated it, dude. I was like, I'm still dragging too much weeds in this presentation it's supposed to be
2: not completely weedless but
4: let me know if you want to borrow my links you can stand up and punch on that go- on that easily
2: yeah i i do want to try it actually yeah
4: absolutely was, i'll meet up with you guys
2: yeah. i haven't even tried to hobie
3: 360 and like all my friends have them
2: oh uh, yeah i i spent a whole day in the chris yalk's 360 blast november something like yeah. that thing was awesome <laughs> Mike's They're like a barge, over. though. Yeah. yeah. Mike's always like, you
3: need to try it. You need to try it. I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I want to, but I know, like, I'll get in here and I'm going to like it, and then you're going to go back in the same day. You're going to like, all right, I'm over this.
0: Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com.
3: Yeah. Shit, so
4: <laughs> now the only time I've ever been in the 360 is when I took the Hobie out for the initial demo. Um, after I'd been on it for a little bit, Bert was with us and uh Bert says, I want to try it. So we switched and I got in his 360 and uh he started catching, we were at Sharon Woods, like you know, who catches fish at that little dinky lake? He gets on a frog bite, wouldn't give me my, the links back, and so I'm trying to like <laughs> pedal around and I'm like, how does this damn three sixty thing work? <laughs> but after you the links is like uh I mean, I, I don't want to say race car. It's not exactly race car, but like what's L-car. maybe, yeah, but you know, that's, that's, that's kind of negative. I don't know, somewhere in there, like, you know, something <laughs> small it? and fast and quick yeah. and agile, but uh, yeah. a, Lynx. a Lynx. It is just like a Lynx. Yeah. People are <laughs> like, the, have you named it? I'm all, it's the Lynx. Here. I mean, duh. <laughs> it is My the perfect
2: line, name for it.
4: <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, someone told me lynx is even like like water. They get they actually fish.
2: Oh, didn't know that.
4: I didn't either. I have not checked that. Don't quote me. But.
2: I so I actually had a few more questions about this. Are you okay. are you um, mounting a fish finder on it, and do, do you have to use a uh, um, tra- transducer arm?
4: so the lynx does come with a a transducer mount in the underside but since it is technically like a borrowed kayak and i had brian tacy at strictly sailing kayak set it up for me um i didn't even own a fish finder sean skidmore kicked me down his old fish finder which again it's in the list of like these amazing things that just keep happening that i don't really understand why they're happening or why people are doing nice things but thanks sean for the uh, for the fish finder never had one before so he gave me his old uh um, it's a um, hummingbird uh, seven, helix seven, mm-hmm. um, but I guess it doesn't save waypoints. And so he, uses oh. those, and he used to go buy new, <laughs> new fish finder and I got it for free. So, but it, I do have the over the side transducer arm with it. Um, it for me, at first, I was like, oh, I want one of the fancy, like, you know, transducer mount things. Mm-hmm. But and it's totally set up with the wiring. There's holes in it for wiring and everything. But it turns out that I think it works out better because I keep taking this thing into these ridiculously like lily pad fields and stuff. And you can just, you know, hook the arm up onto the boat and get it out of the way. Whereas other people I'm with are like, oh, man, I hope my transducer isn't like, you know, getting messed up so it is transducer ready um but i have the over the side transducer arm
2: that's cool i didn't realize it had a transducer spot i like that
4: yeah it's i think i think hobie works with uh, what's the one that's not hummingbird
2: Oh, uh, Lawrence!
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's Lawrence ready, um, and I, I think it. you have to do some sort of adapter thing for Hummingbird. I mean, honestly, I'm totally ignorant about the whole electronics thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't even figured out how to set the clock on mine yet. It's an hour off. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> but, all
2: good. That's cool. It's
4: really cool being able to see the bottom. That that makes a huge difference.
3: Oh, it but does. It, yeah, it was, right? treat it like you have your other fishing adventures just go out there don't even take any rods seriously that's what i ended up doing because i i went fishing probably like 10 times and i'm like why do i have this stupid thing like i don't understand it i don't know how to operate it i don't know how to do anything so one day i we were going camping at kaiser lake and we we're gonna fish and i got there a day earlier than everybody so i had like or i got there earlier in the morning and everybody's coming in the afternoon so i went out early didn't take any fishing rods and just went and cruised around and messed around with it, and until I could start seeing things clearly, so that was where I got I got it tuned in. And I've talked with Brad before when I was like, I knew I had it dialed in when I could finally see the roadbed in Kaiser. So
4: yeah, and,
3: and um, I'd gone over a hundred times and couldn't figure out what was going on. And part of my issue was was moving sideways with the you know side view. Mm-hmm what it'll do is it'll blur it. Mm-hmm. So it'll like kind of take your image, which you should be seeing and it's stretching it in a way. Yeah. And so what I started having to realize is that if I'm going to be looking for stuff, I need to be moving in a straight line and not left or right. Mm-hmm. So, you yep. uh, and then also kind of mess with the sensitivity and the depth and that sort of thing. But yeah, just spend some time with it. Cause the the big thing, Melissa, that I like about um, my fish finder, because I don't have a fancy one, I just have a striker, mm-hmm. um, a Garmin Striker seven SV, and it doesn't save way waypoints. I can mark them like like as is, but it the if I remember correctly, the data kind of goes away. It doesn't fit itself. <laughs> Like I can mark it like as I'm that day, but as soon as I shut it off, I think it goes away. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I don't have a map chip either. So, but my favorite thing is, is side view. I absolutely love it. And when you mix it with the traditional and the down scan and you have side, the, the beauty of side, side vision is being able to see stuff that's, you know, 50 feet out. And you're like, oh, there's a good rock pile over here or whatever. It's kind of hard to see fish on side view, but it's Mm -hmm. very, very awesome to find structure. So you might be able to find like a uh, like a tree in the water, you know, that you will never, ever be able to see it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, unless you went directly over it. And um, what else, Brad? I like running all three at the same time when I'm fishing. If I'm just moving to a spot, I'll run side only. Mm -hmm. But if I start seeing, think I'm seeing fish, cause you can't kind of tell that you start seeing fish, especially if they're up higher in the water column, you'll see it on the side view. But um, I like running both because you can kind of use the traditional and the down vision and kind of take out what's a bass versus a crappie or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I know that's my, my favorite part about it. It had nothing to do with, you know, I mean, it'd be really awesome to have my waypoints and stuff like that, like saved. And one day I'll have a nice fish finder like that. But my biggest, biggest, huge benefit, I think, was side view. So, yeah. yeah.
2: I, honestly, I don't use side view or waypoints that much at all. You should. Uh, I don't know, dude. I just yeah, don't. In like the river,
3: it. and the river, probably not so much. But
2: I don't uh, fish offshore though either on the lake
3: yeah see so that's whatever. where that's where it really helps that's where it yeah shines. when yep. you get off that bank because i mean when you're next to the bank line you're like wow you can see what you're looking at you know, mm-hmm. you're fishing lay downs and you know you you can even see the rock piles or whatever um but yeah get out there just sit down and just pay attention to fish finder don't take any rods with you and mess with it and Try to go somewhere, ask bird or somebody say, Hey, can you point me in the right direction? I want to go see if I can find this and zero in and be able to tell that's what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then like what you can do is mess around with, uh, Kurt's really good to talk to about Kurt smits mm-hmm. he, has, he did a really good video. This is a long time ago, probably a few years back about how, what kind of, so like what kind of frequencies you should be using in a kayak Because Mm what will happen is if you are using something that's pinging too fast, what it'll do is it'll ping, 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 ping. And it's taking, basically, if you think about a still shot or slices, and if you have something like a fish go by, it's going to make the fish look longer. Mm -hmm. It's going too slow, I think. I think that's how it was. I can't remember how he said it. Try to explain it. But if you're going too fast, it has the opposite effect. So like you might make a fish that's small it's gonna look really big because mm. of the ping rate or and because of the weights shooting and and you kind of you don't want it to do that so um, it's definitely a lot different in a kayak versus a boat because a boat's moving a lot faster so yeah
2: it's funny because Greg Blanchard hit his YouTube videos he'll come like the fish on his fish finder will look like he says spaghetti he's like oh looks I'm on top of spaghetti he'll <laughs> He'll drop shot right on top of them, and start catching them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like the uh, the whole screen is just like a bunch of wavy lines.
3: <laughs> yeah, but it, it definitely helps. So you know, it's it's just a suggestion. Just go out there and spend time with just that. Don't take anything else. I don't know. If
4: I don't know if I could go out without a rod. I actually went out yesterday <laughs> to Cowan. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, see what it looked like with the fish finder had only been there one time and that was tournament day with the fish finder. So mm-hmm. I wanted to see what like some of the banks I hadn't hit looked like, mm-hmm. you know, it's always a guess and I have Navionics on my phone, but you know, I wanted to see like, what's down there. How steep is this? And could I find anything really cool on the, uh, you know, you always have this dream of finding some like obscure rock pile offshore that mm-hmm. no one knows about, especially on a lake like Cowan, you know, it's like, so, and Michael Grimsley, walked me. He says, you're going to get sucked into this obsession with finding something offshore that no one else knows about. And I'm all no, I'm not. <laughs> and then here I am like spending the whole day yesterday, like zigzagging Cowan yeah. Lake. But I had a rod with me. I was fishing too, because I can't go out and not fish. Oh, that yeah. would drive me nuts. <laughs> it's,
2: it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> no,
4: there's no way. I can That's look it. at the bottom to and fish it. at the same time.
0: I had to do it.
3: was the way, I mean, I would go out and kind of like look at it and fish. But when I was started to try to make the uh, adjustments to it, because, you know, if you're on the bank, you're barely seeing anything like, because you're, it's shallow. So the Mm -hmm. cone, you know, for your down vision and stuff like that is it's, you're not seeing a whole lot, but you know, the deeper water, it's getting wider. So, but yeah, to kind of get it dialed in, I was like, all right, man, don't fish. Just sit there and mess with these frequencies and this ping rate, you know? And it's like, it's called ping rate. It's called refresh rate. I don't, it's chart speed. Chart speed. Yeah. This, every yeah. one of them uses some stupid different terminology. I wish everybody would just use the same kind of thing. But um, when you get it dialed in, you're going to love it because you're going to be like, oh my God, there's a kayak down there. Like, and you're going to be able to see it so well. Like, you're gonna be like, oh my God, there's like, a bicycle.
4: <laughs> I mean, I think I got lucky because I think Skidmore did yeah, all he that heard. already.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably does you know? all
4: that. All I know that. he gave it to me, and then he walked away, and then he came running back full speed, like, "Give me the chip out of it." <laughs> and then so, like, no. But then he told me that it doesn't save anything, so I don't really understand what he thought he was leaving <laughs> you know, it in there. i but...
3: lying to
2: you. Oh, yeah. you need to find out his river spots for me,
4: <laughs> dude. He doesn't. He doesn't say anything, which is probably yeah, good.
2: Yeah, he, he's he's an awesome angler.
4: Yeah, it's super fun to camp with, too.
3: Yeah. Well, guys, you ready to wrap this up?
4: Brad, yep. was that all your questions? You got it all?
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, we hit it. OK, good, good episode.
4: Well,
3: Melissa, yeah, I appreciate right. you taking the time to come on and talk with me and Brad.
4: Yeah, it's fun.
3: And I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season.
4: Thanks. You too, guys. Thank goodness all the river tournaments are over with now. We can go back to these lakes.
3: (laughs) River's are where it's at. But uh, everybody, thanks again for listening and tune in next week. We'll see you later.
2: See ya.
1: And app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water shout out to rocktown adventures located in northern illinois for all your kayaking camping and hiking needs shout out to Jigmasters jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com through the blackwater bayous and in the dark louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.